decade, everybody say it with me, decade of destiny. How many desire for God to give you a destiny? Right? You're destined for greatness. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are destined for greatness. And so, man, I'm excited about that. All right, I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited. Uh, I had off last week, kind of, in a way. Uh, Pastor Eric, Apostle Eric brought a great word uh, to us. What a great encouragement. He was an encouragement to me. I didn't expect much of what he said. I don't know what he was going to speak on. In fact, he didn't know. The Lord moved on his heart last minute and changed everything, and it was such an encouragement. What an encouraging thing. Go back and watch it on YouTube if you want on our page. Um, the podcast will be up shortly, uh, but uh, it is out on YouTube, so... Let me share this story with you. Media team, follow me. There was a, um, there was, I'm told of a cemetery in uh, Hanover, Germany, where there was an unusual grave. Because at the top of the grave, there are these huge slabs of granite and marble cemented uh, together and fastened with heavy steel straps. And so there were these giant slabs of granite. Um, and then all those, all those granite pieces were held together with these very tight straps and let me tell you why because there was a woman this grave that belonged to a woman who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead she was in fact anti-bible anti-anything and she said you know what I don't believe in the resurrection of the dead I believe that there's nothing that's true about that and to ensure that I want to make sure that I, I, I fasten. And so she demanded that when she die, that her grave would be fastened by these straps and these giant slabs of granite on her grave. Like, hello? Right? Giant slabs of granite. And then she strapped them with these huge straps. And, um, and so to make a long story short, she put inscribed on a marker on her burial this burial place must never be opened. Most people are like, surely, <laughs> I don't plan on it. <laughs> well, it didn't work because the dirt beneath those slabs of marble and granite, there was a tiny seed that she didn't know or anybody else knew was going to be there. And in that time, as though it was co- it was co- even though it was covered with these huge granite blocks, the seed began to grow and grow and grow. And slowly it pushed its way through the dirt, out through the slabs, forced its way through the marble, breaking those straps, and began to break through her grave. (laughs) And here, this woman who adamantly, vehemently spoke against the, the resurrection, the marble was forced up by a tiny little seed that later became a tree, and it wrenched the sockets from its place and that tiny seed later pushed that grave open. Can I tell you something right now? If a seed becoming a tree can open the grave, how much more can the God who created the heavens and the earth resurrect the people that he desires to resurrect? Come on somebody. Are you hearing me? If a tiny seed can do this, how much more can the God of the universe resurrect those who he calls to resurrect? Some of y'all need a resurrection today in your heart. Some of y'all need a resurrection in your heart. Listen, when Jesus comes back, all the dead are going to rise whether they want to or not. 
Hello? The Bible is chock full of stories of how Jesus affected people's lives from the poor and the sick, from the powerful to the pauper. And so no matter who they were, Jesus was about changing lives. And there are many stories of Jesus resurrecting people. One was a story of Lazarus, a very popular story. Raise your hand if you remember that story. Give me a thumbs up online if you remember that story. Right? There's Lazarus, right? Then there was Jairus' daughter. How many remember that story, right? There was, there was people that, that Jesus touched, and there is one specific story that I'm going to get into in Luke chapter 7 here this morning. The title of this message, This is Not Your Graveyard. This is Not Your Graveyard. And so there are instances when Jesus raised people from the dead, one thing I've gathered in life is that we often underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in each of us. But we also underestimate the Spirit of God in us. And I want to tell you something. God always has the final word and say so in your life. When I'm talking to you this morning about this is not your graveyard, I'm saying that this is not the place. Oftentimes we feel like everything is falling apart. This is where I die. This is where it's going to happen. Oh my goodness. And so we often tell God, this is, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. And we live in this element of discouragement, live in this element of fear, live in this element of death where we're kind of like, man, I guess this is the way it gotta be. And Jesus says, no, I'm coming through your town. And I wanna talk to you in Luke chapter seven. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter seven. This is not your graveyard. Say it with me. This is not your graveyard. So let's look at uh, chapter 7 of the book of Luke. There is a text in the scripture that I wanted to bring to you that can catapult your life to a new level. Here it is, Luke chapter 7. And let me kind of give you a little bit of preface as to what's happening. It's simply six verses, but right before these six verses that I'm going to read here in Luke chapter 7, God, in the, in, through Jesus Christ, did an incredible thing to the servant of a centurion. He just did this miracle. He just did this thing. And then he starts walking to a town called Nain. Everybody say Nain. Nain. And so let's look there for a moment. There's six verses I want to read to you. Chapter 7, verse 11 through 17. Here it is. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And the large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said. I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up. Come on, somebody. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Needless to say, verse 16, great fear swept the crowd. Can I tell you, nothing ruins a good funeral like the man who conquered death. 
Nothing ruins a good funeral like Jesus Christ. No one. He's a funeral crasher. Great fear swept the crowd and they began to praise God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. People were excited. Verse 17, and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and surrounding countryside. It's interesting how we look at this story and Jesus completely spoiled a perfectly good funeral. Before I break down how this text affects you, let me say this. Jesus had just healed a Roman official's servant and he was on another trip. Jesus was always going somewhere. Listen, if you feel still and you feel like you're not going anywhere, it's because you're not moving with Jesus. Jesus is always moving. He's always moving to the next thing. But here's where the difference lies. We're off to the next thing before this thing's complete. Let me tell you the difference. We often are ready for the next thing when God's not done with this thing. That's where we go wrong. Jesus was always off to the next thing when this thing is done. Remember a few weeks ago, I brought a, tes- a message entitled, This is Your Now, right? And so we talked about now, like living in the now moment. This is your now moment. This now moment Jesus lived in it. And right there and then, he looked at her and he had compassion on her. Right? Luke records, now mind you, Luke is the only one that records this specific story. Luke was a physician and he was very detailed. Luke was a gospel written by a physician who was very uh, much uh, paid attention to every intricate detail. Matthew, Mark, and John wrote differently and their perspective was a little different but they wrote many of the same stories but Luke was the only one that wrote about the widow name. So here's Luke recording the story of Jesus walking through the town and this funeral procession is happening. They have what, what many uh, understand to be in during that day. Um, we found a woman who's, who's walking and she apparently looking at the scripture she lost her husband already. Right? She's a widow. And now she's burying her only, watch this, her only son. Jewish tradition speaks to this. And let me give you a bit of a cultural background for a moment. Cemeteries were, all, were often outside of the town. And, and, and because of the dead bodies were always considered to be unclean, I'm sure they had cemeteries like ours. But they were also private cemeteries. And so we look at this, this funeral procession. And it's not like the funeral processions that we would gather. Most of the time in funeral processions, we don't have an open casket walking in the street. Right? But looking at this story... That, and, and the way that traditions were, this was often, it's almost like an a enclosed stretcher. Uh, the history books tell us that when they carried a body through the street to the procession, it was, it was the last way of honoring that dead person, that person that passed. And so it was an open casket, so to speak. And so here they are walking with this casket, walking, and Jesus took a moment, look at me, he gazed upon this woman and he had, what did the Bible say he had? compassion on her and it was at that moment that uh, he, he began to, to look upon this situation as an opportunity and the cemeteries that they were headed to or sometimes outside of the city and, and we look at Jesus even when Jesus was buried uh, he was his 
burial plot was donated by Joseph of Arimathea, and even though he was crucified like a common criminal, prophecy in Isaiah 53.9 said that he would be buried with the rich. It's interesting, isn't it? The prophecy even spoke of this. One of the many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And there's no way you can fulfill as many prophecies as Jesus did. And I'll go into that another day of the fact that Jesus fulfilled more prophecies than any mathematician could ever really deduce. And, and the, the, the idea that Jesus would fulfill all these prophecies is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, even if they wanted to plan it, they couldn't do it. They could not do it. And so um, the land that was chosen for these cemeteries had no water. They had a lot of rules. And so they, had a, they were on their way to a very sacred moment. And here, insert Jesus. They're in a solemn moment. They had mourners. The Bible says that there was crowds. Some of them may have been hired, crowd mourners, so that this woman who, who was just about, let me, I'll get to the woman in a moment, but here's this woman walking. She already buried her husband. Now she's burying her son. Did you know that in the culture, if you buried your husband and then you buried your son, you wouldn't get the money? You don't get an inheritance? In fact, it would go to the next of kin. So she was not only facing the fact that she lost her husband, she was not just facing that she lost her son, she is now facing losing everything that she owned and known. She's facing losing her provision as well. So when the Lord saw her, he saw uh, something specific. And so Luke here records the original language. He uses the absolute for the word Lord. The word is karios. Everybody say karios. Karios is the Greek word for Lord, and it means absolute Lord of all. Not like rabbi, priest, pastor. When he refers to Jesus, he uses the word Lord, which means absolute sovereign being. So he knew, and he was writing specifically, this man is God in the flesh, and he's about to change this whole scenario. He walked into that town and resurrected this boy, and not just resurrected this boy, but resurrected hope for a widow and name. Come on, somebody. He didn't just resurrect a boy. Y'all don't get it. Some of y'all don't get it yet. Let me tell you. He didn't just resurrect a boy. He didn't just resurrect a person. He resurrected hope for this woman. And he didn't just bring about a life to come out of the, uh, uh, the, the coffin. Hello? He brought back hope to come out of that coffin. Because not only did she lose her husband, now she lost her son. She lost all hope because now her life is in the hands of somebody else. And everything that she knows is gone. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not your graveyard. Just when you thought you lost all hope, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ walks in the town and brings new life. He speaks life. He resurrects life. And I'm going to tell you right now, he is speaking life to his church. He is speaking life to your situation. And no matter where you come from or where you've been or what you've done or what has taken place in your life, I need you to know something. He is going to speak to you like the New King James Version said, Arise! And come forth. And to this boy, he said, Arise. Why? 
because the body was being carried out because somebody already said he's dead. Jesus speaks to dead like it's alive because Jesus is the final say in every single one of our lives. Jesus is the final say in your life. Just when you thought, now's the time to bury that dream. Just when you thought, now's the time to bury that situation, that relationship, this job, this hope that somehow I'm going to get this bill paid. Anybody ever have a bill linger longer than you want it to? Come on, I'm going to have an altar call for that. I got a lot of responses on that. You ever had a bill linger? You ever had a, a, some, something in your life linger longer than you want? You're like, this was supposed to be over a long time ago, but it's hanging around. It's hanging around like an unwanted neighbor. Come on, somebody. You ever were, you, you ever were on your front porch with a neighbor that swung by and you were like, I really don't want to talk much longer. And they keep talking. Or somebody at work wants to tell you their whole life story, and you're like, dude, I wanted to have a sandwich for my lunch, but you go ahead, keep. You ever had something linger? And you know what? The hope is found in the fact that when Jesus speaks, he speaks deliberately. When Jesus speaks, he speaks of hope. When Jesus speaks, he speaks life. Now listen, I need you to understand something. Jesus doesn't just do resurrection in life. The Bible says Jesus is resurrection in life. It just, it flows out of him. It's part of his person. Not just what he does, right? I could bake, right? I could go ahead and do a, uh, no, I can't bake. But let's say I did, right? I, I wouldn't call myself a baker even though I had baked, right? I would say, hey, I baked something. Jesus Christ resurrected people, but it wasn't just something he did. Listen, it was who he is. And I know I'm not a baker. I baked once. I did this once. I did that once. Spirit of the Lord comes upon you as someone's, some things happen. You know, working, whether it's in spiritual gifts, right? Sometimes the Lord gives me a word for somebody. He, the mantle of that comes upon me and I give that word and then that, that is released. And, you know, God does that sort of thing, right? But that doesn't mean that that's what you do all the time and it's maybe not your title. I work prophetically, but I wouldn't consider myself a prophet at this time in my life. But though God does put his mantle upon me at times. I wouldn't consider myself a healer and having that spiritual gift, but we've got one, and it has happened. My wife and I can attest to that. What, where the spirit will come upon us and we lay hands on somebody and they will be healed and then that will be released. But I wouldn't call myself a healer. Jesus is all these things and more. He is resurrection. He is life. So when he looked at that woman and he looked at upon her with compassion, he looked upon her with the eyes of wanting to heal her moment. Just like he looks to you today to heal your moment. He is that balm that we need sometimes, right? Some of you are like, I don't feel that balm of healing. I feel like the balm just lit up, blew up my house. That's a different, that's a different spelling, by the way. The bomb of healing versus the bomb that blew up my home. Like stuff just went down. You ever, you ever had something go down in your home and you're like, I didn't expect that to go that way. That's a bomb. But Jesus Christ says, I want to be the bomb, the healing. And he walked up to this boy 
and he brought healing. So let me share with you real quickly a couple things that took place. This woman now is facing, like I said, the loss of her husband. She's looking at now the loss of her son and her possessions, but, but she's not looking at the end. She's not looking at her graveyard. She's not looking at his graveyard because before the young boy could get to the graveyard, Jesus Christ intercepted. Intercepted. He intercepted death. And he brought this boy to life. Let me ask you this something. Has everything that you've ever been through, there's something we can learn from it. But have you ever been through something where someone did not believe in you for something? You ever had someone tell you, that's not going to happen. You know that. I love those moments. I love those moments. I had someone tell me one time, uh, uh, there's a good, well, let me say it like this. The, the way that you're about to launch your church is not a successful way traditionally on how churches are successful. I had someone tell me this before we even launched our church. The way you're launching church is not a successful way. Many, many, many churches have failed the way you're doing it. And I'm thinking to myself, what did I just do? Here we are 10 years later. Come on, somebody. That's not me. That's God speaking to the situation. That's God saying, whatever I say lives, lives. Many churches have come and gone. Churches have come and died. I don't know why, but ours is here. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't know why ours is here. Let me, let me rephrase that. I don't know why they died separate sentence but ours is here <laughs> amen listen this is not your graveyard just when you thought this is where they're going to bury me this is where it's going to end this is not your graveyard how many are with me say it with me this is not your graveyard everything to yourself I think I'm the only one who believes in me you ever said that to yourself Show of hands, honestly, honestly. How many ever thought to yourself, I think I'm the only one that believes in me right now? I'm okay, listen, I'll be the first one. You're not the only one. I think I'm the only one that believes in me right now. That's all you need. God plus one is always the majority. If you have God on your side and you trust and believe him, he will see you through. Jesus said to this young man, young man, I say to you, arise. So let me tell you something real quickly. To live in Christ, you must process three things. Here we go. Because Romans 4, let me say this one verse with you. It's not going to be up on your screens. Romans 4, 17. Watch this. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls those things that don't exist as though they did. When he spoke to this young man, he was dead as a doornail. He was dead. Some people go, well, maybe he wasn't fully dead or, you know. He was dead, people. They were, buried, they were about to bury him. They were on the way to his graveyard. And just when they thought the graveyard was going to consume that body, Jesus Christ said, no, arise. Arise. Come on, somebody, arise. Come on, tap your neighbor right now real quick. Say, arise. Arise. Some of you just woke up. Good morning. 
You're like, arise. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody in the comments right now, arise. Type it in. Type it in. Come on, in the comments. Arise. 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 I shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. I love this thought. That when Jesus came, I'm going to jump real quickly to John where um, Lazarus was taking place. That was John. I believe it was John 11, somewhere around there. In John 11 or so, uh, Jesus walked up to Lazarus's grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And I, I just can't help but think about the fact that he mentioned him by name because if Jesus would have just said, come forth at a grave site, come on, somebody, this could have become some, a thriller video, the original thriller video. Come on, somebody. He said, Lazarus, come forth. All the other bodies were like, oh, oh, wait, oh, he said Lazarus. Okay. I guess I got to stay in here. Lazarus came out. If he would have said, come forth, trust me, there would have been a lot more recordings of things happening in that place. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because that was not his gravesite. That was not his graveyard. I'm telling you right now, some of you, God hasn't given up on you. Press through, trust and believe. Cast aside all fear right now and trust this is not your graveyard. This is not where you breathe your last breath. This is just the beginning of the next chapter. So to live in Christ, you must process a few things. Number one, pain. You must process pain. I got news for you right now. This was not her grave and this was not his grave. There was not where her story ended and surely not where the story is ended for that boy. He was resurrected. Someone walked in here today with some sort of dream that has died and you are on your way to bury And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to bury that dream today. You don't have to bury that thought today. God has seen you. God has heard you. And Jesus is in the path. I thought I'd get more amens. I preach harder. I'm sorry. So, so ever had a pain that you couldn't describe? I, I, I remember pain in my life. In my 40 years of life. There are moments in my life where I felt pain that I could not even say a word. I remember getting word of my grandmother passing on a day that I was deathly sick already. And I get a call. I'm laying in my bed on my college dorm room and I get a call. I was sick, sick, sick. Really bad. And I'm laying there and I get called. I can barely answer the phone. I pick up the phone to find out my grandmother, who and my mother was working so hard to provide for us. My grandmother was the one that stepped in and filled the void. Where I lost my father at an early age, my grandmother was the one that raised us when my mom was at work. She was like a second mother. She was a grandmother. And I remember getting that phone call and it was such a painful moment for me. And I, you ever cried so many tears that you felt like emptied the tank? You just don't have any more? You ever been there? So some of you know what I'm talking about. That was my moment of processing pain. And I realized many years later that I had to 
Stop hiding my scars and my wounds because they're the trophies that I went through and I still survived. So I tell you the same today. Stop hiding your scars. Stop hiding your wounds because they are the trophies that you survived and you will the next one. Some of the pain that you've been afflicted with will serve as a tool to help others escape their pain as well. Can I encourage you with that? Process pain. This woman was processing pain. She was walking in the street, about to bury her only son. And in comes Jesus, stage left. And he comes and he says, arise. And then you know what's interesting? That after the boy had conversation with Jesus, I, and Luke never records what that was. The Bible says, watch this, he handed him back to his mother. What happened in that interaction? You ever thought about that? What happened there? You know what I believe? I believe that Jesus was such an encourager that he looked him in the eyes. And I can't know this for sure, right? Because Luke doesn't record it. But I believe that Jesus spoke life into him. Not just resurrected him, but he looked at him and said, you matter. And you are loved. And after he exchanged whatever he exchanged with him, Jesus gave him back to his mother. Here's your son. And he, Jesus Christ, wants to give you back your dream. He wants to resurrect that thing in your life that you thought was dead. That desire, that passion, that thing. But you need to process pain. Number two, you need to process your purpose. Here, this woman, she was a wife and then she wasn't. She was a mother. And then she wasn't. She was taken care of, but now her inheritance will be taken away. Not inheritance necessarily, but her husband's, all the things that he owned. Where in our culture today, if a husband was to pass, more than likely that would go to the wife and she would be in charge of all his assets. Yes? Right? That makes sense, right? Well, in Jewish custom, the woman was not privy to that. So it would go to his next of kin. And so it would go to a relative, a family member, however that panned out. And we don't know the storyline. There's no tree that tells you who's who. But it was not going to go to her. That we knew. So all that, all that purpose. I was a wife. Now I don't know. I'm not a wife anymore. I was a mother. Now I'm not a mother anymore. I was provided for. Now I don't have any provision. What's my purpose? You will never know who you are. Until you know whose you are. And there are times in your life you have to realize that it's not this world that provides for you or gives you purpose. It is God. It is God. The beauty of human existence, and we got a quote here. The beauty of human existence lies not in just the staying alive, but in finding something to live for. This woman had to realign and get these thoughts through. And before that could really fall through, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you new purpose. I'm going to resurrect your son, and I'm going to give you new life. New purpose. A renewed sense of who I am. If you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. Friends, listen to me. For your passion will lead you into the right purpose. Third thing. She was probably asking, now what, right? Right? Everything's going to be stripped away. Provision. 
provision. She had to process provision. Her pain, her purpose, her provision all had to be funneled through the eyes of following the God that I serve, right? It wasn't her following Jesus. You follow me? Because Jesus was at this time still alive on earth, right? Walking through in the town. It was a faith that we all need to grab and grab a hold on to. And I don't know what her faith looked like, just like I don't know necessarily where you are with Christ. But here's what I do know, that there was a dead child in that coffin. And when Jesus was done, there was no longer a dead child, but there was a resurrected boy who now has new life because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? Let me tell you something right now. Some, somebody in this room needs to hear this. Are you ready? God's path will never lack God's provision. God's path will never lack God's provision. The provision of God is more secure than anything you can put your bank on. Come on, somebody. It's more than anything you can put faith in this world on. Because man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. Let me say that again because some of y'all need to hear it. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. This is not your end, friend. This is not your graveyard. God has something for you and God has something for this church. Come on, somebody. God has something for the people that are willing to fight for something greater than themselves. God's path will never lack God's provision. So here's what I want from us today, if you would. Close your Bible, slide it to the side. Close your notes, slide it to the side. Everyone in this room, stand with me if you can. If you can, stand with me for a moment. And I'm going to do things a little differently, and I, and I want to I have you join me in this. Because as we head into September, there's a lot of dreams and a lot of things, and I'm going to ask everyone in this room that says, you know what? I feel like the best is yet to come. In my life, in this church, in the church worldwide. Listen, there are people right now, right now, across the globe, that if they have the Bible on their phone and the enemy finds it, they will be killed immediately. And we complain if it's a little cold or a little hot or a little rainy on a Sunday morning. There are people's lives literally in the balance whether or not they will live the next day. Can I tell you there's a remnant of people right now and this has been um, documented true. There are people right now in Afghanistan that said we will not leave because the gospel must be preached and people that are living in this dark world must know who Jesus is they put their lives on the line you want to talk about destiny they're trusting in a savior that many of us Americans don't quite understand because we don't have it like that and God forbid let's be honest the last few weeks, the last few days have been very tricky for the believers. 
but there's a remnant of believers right now in Afghanistan and around the world, not just Afghanistan, around the world, underground, praying. God, I don't want to die, but if I'm going to die, I'm going to die believing in you. Be with them, Lord. Amen.